Hi everyone, I'm Suzanne Delahunty and this is Freedom Hunters, a podcast about inspiring people who have made fascinating career changes and found freedom in their dream career. We talk about their journeys, how they changed career, the challenges they faced along the way and what success means for them now that they're doing what they love. Today's inspiring guest on Freedom Hunters is Tash Sefton. Anyone with a passing interest in fashion will have heard of Tash. She's one of Australia's most successful fashion entrepreneurs. Tash started out her career in fashion manufacturing and moved into a business role overseeing production, manufacturing and buying for one of Australia's biggest streetwear brands, General Pants. But it was when she started a blog called They All Hate Us with her friend and colleague Elle Ferguson that work and life changed for Tash. The runaway success of their website meant that she was able to leave her job behind and turn her website into a fully-fledged fashion e-commerce business. From there, she has gone on to host TV makeover show Style Squad, create and sell her artwork with her sister Hayley, and provide style consulting to corporates and private clients. With her huge following, Tash has been able to shine a light on causes close to her heart, such as conscious consumerism and animal preservation. I have followed Tasha's career over the years as she has emerged as one of Australia's strongest voices in fashion and business. Her style is fabulous. She is warm, charming and witty, but it's her business mind and work ethic that makes her truly inspiring. Tash talked to me about her career journey, which includes one of the funniest job resignation stories I've ever heard. She also tells how it is to be a fashion entrepreneur, the hard work and long hours that go on behind the glamour of the Instagram grid, and how her approach to social media has completely changed as her career has developed. It was such a delight to interview Tash, and I really hope you'll enjoy this episode. Where did you grow up? Well, um, I'm from Sydney, Australia, and um, if you know Sydney, um, it's very much about um, lifestyle in Sydney, and I grew up on the beaches of Sydney, on the northern beaches of Sydney, which is a really beautiful area. Some people might know Manly, so I grew up near Manly, yeah, more towards Palm Beach, but yeah. Oh, beautiful. And yeah, back then... Were you interested in fashion when you were at school? Um, Do you know what? I was like one of those students that um, had no idea what I was going to do, what I was going to be. I kind of – it's really funny because I actually don't remember learning anything at school. I know that sounds (laughs) weird. Um, But I went to a a very strict all-girls Catholic school and I was very artistic so I wanted to do art and textiles and photography and I wasn't allowed because we had to do science and math. So I um, could. I, w- I only did as much as art that I could possibly do that they would allow me to do. Um, and then it kind of wasn't until I finished school that um, I thought, you know what, I think I want to do fashion. I, I didn't have any pre-plans or anything. Um, and then I did fashion design at um, college in Australia, in Sydney, and I absolutely hated it. Really? <laughs> oh, no, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate fashion college. I just didn't like um, the pattern making and the sewing part. Yeah. I loved the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did the, yeah. the course you did, that did that cover both aspects of fashion? It did, it did. So, it, you know, and that was why it was so good doing the course that I did because I got to understand how to make clothes 
Mm. how to produce it, like how to design them, how to produce them, and then how to sell them. That was that was why I went to this um, this college because it was very industry based, and um, I've soon found out that that's what I loved. And I became a scholarship scholarship student, and had a really amazing time at college because I worked out what I was good at at an early stage in my career. Oh, you're one of the lucky ones then. (laughs) (laughs) But when you were back at school, did you know that that's what you wanted to be or was it something completely different? Um, I didn't know what I wanted to be, I have to say. Um, My mother and my grandmother were very stylish women. My mother is incredible. Mm. My grandmother is an immigrant from – both of my grandparents came from Croatia – um, um, after the war and my one of my grand, my mother's mother was an incredible tailor and she worked in Sydney for a very famous tailor in Australia and um, she just had this amazing attention to detail and would sew everything and make her own clothes and she just was incredibly stylish. My mum is also incredibly stylish and she, mum was a big sewer when I grew up so I was surrounded by her, you know, buying these beautiful designer pieces because in Australia back then we had no designers like if you if you wanted to buy French designers it was very limited here so mum would make her own clothes and then find designer pieces that she could and then put it together so I kind of grew up with that I grew up with my mum creating these incredible outfits I didn't even realize you know I just it was just around me yeah I mean I have seen your mum on, on your social media and I have seen she is incredibly stylish <laughs> yeah she she taught me she actually taught me how to dress um I mean we can go into that later but she um she's been a very influential part of my life yeah yeah and your your parents had a business when you were growing up as well is that right yeah, they still have their business. Um, it's so funny because I'm from a family of all girls and my dad owns a big trucking company <laughs> in Australia um, so, and a building company. So it's really funny how his work is so opposite <laughs> to my sisters and I. And um, we grew up, you know, working, you know, mum and dad just worked all the time. And so we were always there. I was always around it. So I think I learned the business side of me from my dad my dad is an incredible businessman and then I learned the fashion from my mum oh what a fantastic mix the perfect combination (laughs) what was your first job out of uh, out of university um I worked in um, anyone that goes to fashion, does fashion, knows how expensive it is because you have to buy fabrics and everything. So I used to work on the weekends in retail in Australia in a department store called David Jones and I loved it. I loved it. Um, And then after I left college, I worked for this company that manufactured um, huge, for huge retailers. So, you know, um, I'm trying to think of what it would be in Europe, but like for Marks and Spencer, say. So right. we, we would manufacture for big retailers and um, it wasn't very glamorous, but I definitely learned everything in such a small amount of time. My boss was absolutely psychotic, you know, like he would he was incredible, but he, when he got angry, he would like throw chairs across the room. And if you made a mistake, he was just like, he would go into these like fits of rage, not at you, but just, it was like how he would react to things. Yeah. And so I 
learned really fast to not make mistakes. And, you know, when you're dealing with manufacturing huge volumes of um, units, you can't make mistakes because it's really costly. And so as much as it was a really, he was crazy, it was actually incredible because I learned in four years, like a 10 years worth of experience, you know, I just became so across everything because I just knew that I didn't want him to throw a chair across the room. <laughs> I know, it's amazing how those most stressful situations actually become with a lot of hindsight, a lot of time, probably the best in terms of learning. Like you get so much out of those, even though you would never want to relive them, um, you get a lot out of it. <laughs> I just, I honestly just didn't know any different. And like, I look back at it now and I don't think he was being like, I would never like send him to like call the police or anything. It was just what it was. It was just how work was. Um, And, you know, it, it actually taught me to be really resilient and it taught me really good lessons and I'm not condoning it at all. But it did make me understand the consequences of if I did, you know, put the wrong fabric swatch on an order and 50,000 dresses were made with the wrong fabric, that's a really big mistake. And I think that sometimes people going through workplace now don't learn those mistakes because we can't, we're not as accountable like like maybe I was back then when chairs being thrown across <laughs> the <room> were acceptable. <laughs> so after this role, where, where did you go to next? Work-wise? I started working for a youth retailer in Australia. Um, they're called General Pants. So I, I guess they're sort of like Topshop but in the UK or like Urban Outfitters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's all streetwear and, and denim and yeah, really surfwear. Yeah, amazing, yeah. yeah. Um, and I started working there and I was working kind of in their production because part of my role with the other manufacturer was I would spend a lot of time in China and India sourcing and manufacturing and so I went to this company to work on their their own labels so we call them vertical brands here but um so they're brand they're designed in-house but no one really knows um and it took off really fast and um I was able to you know create menswear labels women's wear labels kids wear labels you know I had an amazing the owner of the company is incredible and when he sees something in you, he really believes in you and he lets you just go. And so I had such an incredible journey. I was there for about 13 years and um, ended up running the women's department, um, overseeing the buying department um, from the branded side to the vertical, you know, overseeing production, operations. We sold labels into Selfridges. Like it was an incredible, it was like actually a dream job. I would spend three to four months of the year traveling overseas. It was really quite amazing. I have incredibly fond memories of working there and I'm still very close to everybody there. Yeah. And what does it involve? Like the, I've always been fascinated by um, the role of a buyer for one of these labels. It just sounds like the dream job, but there's so much more to it than just going on overseas shopping trips, I'm sure. So what's oh, yeah. involved? <laughs> Um, it actually involves a lot of Excel spreadsheets because it's all about numbers, really. Um, it's about sell-through. It's about projecting sales. It's about when something's not selling, how to clear it. It, um, it isn't, and that's why I did love it, because it's the business side of fashion. So 
you know, I'm, I became um, almost like a trend um, forecaster, but also I was like a predictor. I used to have to predict change before it happened. That was my job. My job was to travel around the world and see what was happening before anyone knew it was happening and have it sitting on the shop floor just at the right time when people go, oh, I need that. That was my job. And um, I'm become, I've become very wired to just that's how my brain works. <laughs> yeah. And what, what do you look at to, to get that indication of what's coming and where culture is going? What do you look at? Is it film or art or what, what are you looking at? It's, it's literally everything. It's, it, there isn't one place. Um, and I think that's where people make mistakes because they always look at, you know, it's not about trend forecasters or it's not about fashion shows or it's not about, it's sort of about, I love what's happening on the street. I love what's happening yeah. in Sydney, you know, like with um, a, a girl just walking down the street and the way she styled something, I'm like, wow, she's got something before people realise. I would spend a lot of time in America and everyone would say to me, oh, my God, we love Australia. We love Australians. They have this style. And I was like, what are you talking about? We are so far away and have, you know, we never had Zara or H&M or any, we had no labels, no designer labels. But everyone would look to Australia, especially in America. And it wasn't until I thought, you know what, we actually have great brands and great labels in Australia and great style, and it's because of our culture and our lifestyle and our weather. Yeah. Um, so, you know, looking at trend forecasting and catwalk and stuff, I think people on the street, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with yeah. that about Australian style. Every time I go back now to Australia, I swear to God I feel so out of touch because everyone looks so good, especially in Melbourne where I'm from. Like the style is just off the chart. Melbourne is very stylish, yeah. It's mm. funny how different Melbourne and Sydney is. Um, we always refer to it like a different country, yeah. even though it's an hour away. <laughs> <laughs> how, yeah. would, how would you classify Sydney versus Melbourne style? Um, see, uh, Melbourne's very black. Everyone wears mm. black all the time and it gets really cold there. So they're so covered up, you know, they've, where in Sydney, we're always out and at the beach. And so, you know, there's lots of skin showing, you know, in Sydney, it gets cold, but you kind of still can wear, you know, summery clothes in winter. So mm. I think it's skin versus all covered up and wearing black. <laughs> layers. It's all about the layers in Melbourne. <laughs> Layering. Yeah, in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you do. You do have to develop a bit of a skill. Same in London, actually. Um, so it was while you were at General Pants that you and your yeah. friend and colleague, Elle Ferguson, started They All Hate Us. Now, yeah. it started out as a blog, but it became so much more than that. But I want to know just first of all, how did it start? Um, it literally started because she was working in another department to me and um, we kind of had to cross our roles sort of crossed over um, with what we had to, you know, I she was in merchandising and I was head of buying. So I would sort of deliver all the women's merchandise over to her and then she'd make it come alive in store. Um, and then we became friends and we used to get in trouble for talking a lot. 
<laughs> um, but we would always say, it's work, it's work. But um, I was telling my husband one day that we got in trouble and he said to me, why don't you just start a blog? And I said, I don't even know what's a blog. And he's like, oh, my God, because my husband has an IT company. So he's like really nerdy and really amazing because <laughs> he's across everything. And he's like, it's just a way you can talk to each other and no one knows. And I was like, okay. So he set it up for us. He said, I need a name. What are you going to call it? Because it, it needs a URL. And we were at lunch and we, we were laughing because the guys in the office were kind of anno like getting annoyed with us because we were playing some sort of soundtrack over the speakers that they didn't like. And we said, okay, we're going to call it They All Hate Us, just as a joke, <laughs> like it was a joke. And... Um, so Mark set it up and taught us how to blog and we were just blogging to each other because I had I had just had my first child and would start early and leave early and then she would stay back and so I would sort of blog in the morning and she'd blog at night and so then it would cross over and we didn't realize that anyone else was watching it reading it um, <laughs> until we would walk down the street and people would be like oh God, I love your blog. And we're like, what are you talking about? Like it was literally, I know it sounds really annoying to people, <laughs> but it literally just happened like that. And I don't think that happens anymore, but um, it was very accidental and it was literally to stop us getting into trouble at work. So at what point did you make the decision that this could actually be a business and we could do this as a you know, as a real a, job. Yeah, as a real job, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so because I ran um, the women's department for a very big retailer in Australia, um, it became a conflict because I was being approached by competitors to blog for them or work for them or attend events or travel. or, And I was kind of like, well, I can't really be doing that because I'm meant to be like – the person that works for this company and that's my job and um you know we would work all day and then go at night to things or in lunchtime go and do a photo shoot or in the morning at like five o'clock in the morning do work on our kind of not real job but it was becoming something and um i was pregnant with my second child and um was on maternity leave and because I was kind of not in the office, I had time to reflect and time to go, there's something here. Mm. Um, and also I was a mum at home and I realised that, you know, I was working in a women's department all about delivering new product every week, you know, like you had to have this, you had to have this, you had to have this, everything had to be new, new, new. And when I was at home, you know, sitting with my child, rocking him to sleep, I kind of realized that I wore the same thing every day and didn't really need a lot and didn't – and just there, I felt like there was confusion in the retail market about there was so much choice but no one knew what to buy. And so all of those thoughts and everything kind of was in my head and then it was like, okay, when are you coming back to work? Like <laughs> you said, you were coming back at six months and it's now, you know, eight months and 12 months. And I actually was on this, we were we were um, walking down the road and I saw the owner of the company on the side of the street and we were like, oh, my God, how are you? And I had my son with me. And he said to me, are you coming back? When are you coming back? Like just, you know, like we were having a lovely conversation. And I said to him, I'm not coming back. I didn't even tell anyone that I, I didn't even tell my husband. <laughs> so it was just on the spare of the moment. 
I just said to him, I'm not coming back. And he just looked at me, he's like, what? And I was like, yeah, I don't think I can come back. I haven't just, I just don't think. So I literally resigned from my, my dream, most incredible job on the side of the road. And I didn't tell anyone <laughs> before I was going to say that. That's <laughs> and the best then resignation saying, story ever. <laughs> Shit, what am I going to do now? <laughs> Uh, I've got two kids and no job. Um, so, yeah, just I think that was kind of, um, I think because it was ticking over in my head and we knew that, you know, it was becoming an issue and I think it was just meant to be, yeah. Yeah, and then the key thing, the key, the biggest thing that turned it, you know, from just being a blog with two girls, you know, talking about their clothes and stuff was we turned it into a retail business. And that was from our experience working in um, for a huge retailer. And we turned it into retail before anyone had retail, before any online, you know, bloggers or anyone was really doing an online store. I mean, the big players, big retailers had online stores, but no one was doing it. No, no one was documenting what they were wearing each day and then selling it. Mm. So we were kind of first to do that. Yeah, because you curated each month, you curated a yes. selection of clothes which kind of interpreted high-end fashion but made it accessible for everyone really. It was fantastic. Yeah, we just we just said that you really only need 10 things in your life. You know, you don't need 100 things or you don't need to buy 30 things every month. You just kind of need maybe 10 things or we kept it really simple and made it really educational. So explained why you wear it and this is how you wear it and this is how I wear it in my life rather than, you know, you need this colour this week, that colour next week. So, mm. and it, it, it took off. Like yeah. it, it, it was, yeah, <laughs> it, did, it did really well. <laughs> yeah, well, I, actually I, I bought a couple of things myself. But I oh, loved thank it. you. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved it because it actually introduced me to a lot of Australian brands that I didn't yeah. even know about and now absolutely love. So it was just, yeah. it was fantastic and shining a light on some of the little local brands that you have there. Why it was good, yeah, because we were able to. Um, it was kind of win-win. So um, the the way we built the retail model as well was really interesting because we had no warehouse and it was all done on our phone or our laptop. So mm. we had no overheads, which was really amazing. That was the one thing that we made sure that there was. You know, if we were we left our jobs, um, Elle was actually still working, but that we had we didn't have to have any overheads I mean how can you how can you start a retail business now without having any money to do it like you literally Mark built the website we took we had a friend take the photos and it was just we used our contacts and it was really it was amazing um, and then what we did was because we didn't want to compete with you know the big retailers we went out and found emerging designers girls that we would meet girls that would send us clothes and we were like there's something here and we introduced a lot of Australian brands to the American market and and launched their brands in America for them so there was this win-win between them supporting us and us supporting them absolutely was it yeah. scary at the time though that decision to to leave was there any fear absolutely involved? right yeah it was like what am I doing I mean if I said to you, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to have an online, like I, you just, I just would never do that because I was, I always worked. I always worked for someone. But I think because we 
didn't have any overheads and we didn't have any costs associated to what we were doing, that was the key. So there wasn't like that, you know, we didn't have to raise capital. We didn't have to have a warehouse full of stock. So we were able to do it and if it failed, it failed. And if it didn't, then it was, holy shit, how do we continue it, you know? (laughs) And never before, I think, could you have had a business or even now, like, I have an art business that's on Instagram and I sell art around the world. Like, it's crazy. It's really amazing how you can do these things now. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. So, and I'll come to that in a little while, actually, about your art business. (laughs) But I just, I wanted to know when you, so in the early days when you've just started your own business, what were the main challenges that you faced? It grew so quickly, so fast that we didn't, you like it was crazy. You know, we were packing orders with my six-month-old baby in the my living room, and you know we had no systems in place. We were working twenty-four-seven, like it, it never stopped. We were, you know, it was incredible though. Like I've got photos of it, and I look back at it and I laugh. But um, it just, I don't know. I guess. It went crazy so fast. I think we just did everything. So maybe we should have got some help because it, it kind of it were like we were the face of it, but also behind the scenes and then doing the business and loading everything. Like we were doing everything. And sometimes it just got a bit too much, you know, like because yeah. you've got to look good, but you've got so much work to do. <laughs> so from that, you... Uh, end up co-hosting a makeover TV series called Style Squad. How did that yeah. come about? Um, I, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. So Pip, who was the producer, I think used to buy from us. Oh, and really? And used to buy from us. I think, yeah. I mean, she's one of my great friends now, so I'll have to ask her. And she just contacted, I think she just sent us an email and she said, I'm doing a show about bloggers. And we were like, no, we don't want to do a show about bloggers because we're not bloggers. Like, we... Like, I don't really ever refer to myself as a blogger. Um, it was kind of like a term that everybody started using. But I'm just like a person that works in fashion and has a business, you know. That was how. And so we were like, no, we don't want to be on a blogger show. And then she said, well, what about if you had your own show? And we were like, oh, okay, well, maybe, yeah. And it was literally we said no to her like ten times before we said yes. Mm. Um and then it kind of happened and we filmed it and then it came out. Like it was so, all these things that happen are so surreal and we're so busy, like I'm so busy running around and then I do it and then it comes out and then I go, okay, yep, I've got a TV show. Okay, then next. Okay, what else am I having to do? So it's not even like you have a minute to mo- uh, to have a moment to go, that's actually really cool. Like yeah, I've got a TV show. Wow. <laughs> how do you enjoy how did you enjoy working on TV uh, as a platform? I I love TV. I'm working on some more TV at the moment. I have no fear of it. I some people get really nervous talking in front of a crowd or I, I just I don't know. Maybe cuz I don't shut up. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> maybe it's maybe I'm maybe it's good because I just keep talking and they just keep filming and then they edit it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, so they all hate us. Was it was incredibly successful, but it also provided you and Al with the launch pads for you both to go and 
pursue your own respective businesses and interests. And one yeah. of those for you is your art business. Yeah. Uh, Segedin, yeah. Sefton Segedin, which you yeah. started with your sister Hayley. So how did that all start? Well, I think um, the, the good thing about us having um, a business to start with and then our own brands is, and this is the thing, is that in this space you can evolve and do whatever you want. There's no rules. So, you know, everybody's like, so what are you doing next and what about this? And it's sort of like we can, I don't have a boss, so we can do whatever we want. If I want to go and, you know, be a ski instructor, I can do that. You know, it's all okay. It all works into the business. Um, and that's why I love these platforms that we can work in because there are you can make up your own rules and my biggest thing is making sure that I evolve as a person and as my brand because you know they all hate us and what that was over 10 years ago like that's a really long time ago so long in ago. this space yeah. yeah so you know thing a year ago is a long time now so with this platform, my brand as myself and my brand as my business can evolve. And I think it's really, really important because time is moving so fast that, you know, six months, 12 months ago, that seems a long time. Mm. I get asked a lot um, by people of like, what are you going to do in two years time? And it's like, you can't even think that far ahead. You almost need to be thinking six month blocks at the most, you know? Um, so I have, I have, um, I'm a lot older as well in this sort of Instagram influencer space. Not a lot older, but um, I feel a lot older because everybody is sort of like 20 now that's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you know, as my children get older and my, um, I don't know, I just change. So Haley and I started out, um, Haley's my sister, she's my middle sister. We, my, I moved into a house, um, a bigger house, and, um, my children got really afraid of the ceilings because the ceilings were really high and there was lots of, not that it's a big house, but just the ceilings were quite high. And so so my children got really afraid of these this new space. And I said to my sister, can you just come over and I've got a whole lot of canvases and we'll just paint some canvases and put them up So because Mac won't sleep, he's petrified. And so she was like, yeah, yeah, we'll just come over and we'll just do some drawings. I mean, this is what happens to me. Like I just do stuff and then... And then we put them up and it was all fine. And then I think like Elle magazine came and shot my house. And then like you could see the artworks in the background of my Instagram. And everyone was like, what is that art? And I was like, I don't know. It's just Haley and my drawings. Like it's nothing. And literally that's how it started. And I said to Haley, I think we should start an Instagram account. We'll just put up like, you know, stuff we do. We won't, we're not going to say we're artists or anything. We'll just put photos up of things that we create. And um, every weekend she would come over and we would just do stuff and put it up and it would start, people would say, I want to buy that and, and would go, okay, that's, I don't know how much it is. Like literally like it was just very organic. And um, that is literally how that started and that's been about two years now and it's um, become a very big part of our life. Yeah. And, and it's good because like I was saying, like it's evolving, it's evolving my what I love doing and taking me away from things that I don't want to do anymore and I want to do this so it's been it's good yeah it's really good and tell me what's it like working with your sister well the good thing is is that 
she is also she has is a very she's a landscape architect and she runs a huge company so she's really busy you know herself and um she doesn't run a company she runs she's a project manager so she runs huge projects and um so we do this art as a way of kind of taking us away from the crazy because when you when we draw when we sit down you can't have anything going on you can't have your phone on you can't have a phone call you can't multitask you literally have to be in the moment because otherwise you make mistakes and so for her it's she's incredibly creative but because of her job has taken her away from actually drawing because she now runs the projects so for her it's a really nice way to come back to the paper come back to using her talent and me coming in and you know us just mucking around because it takes us back to kind of what we love doing and I saw it it took you back to fashion as well with your collaboration with Bondi Bourne well yeah I mean the, the thing that's really good is that you know because of my um space in the fashion industry and I get kind of people know me so they're like oh wow she's doing drawing now that's awesome, let's turn it into a swimwear brand. And so I can go, okay, yeah, let's do that. I can use this contact and I know that maker and I've got this shape and so it sort of works quite well. Our drawings are very influenced by fashion anyway because we use a lot of form and a lot of, you know, faces and shape. So it kind of works well into fashion. And, you know, that swimwear collaboration was so beautiful and it was really successful. And, I mean, it's sold all over the world and we, um, we're in talks to do some other stuff as well. So it's very, it's lovely that it all can cross over, you know. That wasn't enough. You decided <laughs> to start a personal styling business and that's where did your style go? So, well... <laughs> Um, about 12 months ago, I sort of had, um, I felt like I wanted to do something different. Um, I'm very retail and very commercial and very, I don't know, I'm just wired a bit differently to, I'm very, I'm a real business person. So I see business opportunities. Um, and what I realized with social media is when I started you know, the, using the platform, it wasn't really about me. It was more about my love of clothes and it was about my business and ex explaining to people what I wear rather than look at how good I look in this, you know. And then all of a sudden it kind of turned into this huge platform of this self-obsessedness, you know. And I just didn't sit with me because I felt really it was – not what I do. I don't, you know, I wear clothes because I love clothes. I don't wear them to say, look how good I am because I can afford this or because I'm wearing this. And it kind of got me down. Like, and I didn't realize, I didn't realize how my job was not making me feel very good because it was making me morph into someone that I actually wasn't. And it was my family that actually said to me, you know what, this isn't you, like this, that world, it's not you, you need to kind of like, it's not making you happy, it's not what you do, what are you doing? Um, and at that point I was like, I actually don't know. So I took a really, a few months to just work it out. And what I realised is, is that I know what I am and what I'm not 
and I know what social media is for me and what I don't want it to be. And as soon as I worked that out, I realized that I had to step away from a big part of what I do for my own sanity, you know, like um, because as I was saying before, you know, I'm about 10 years older than most people in, in this sphere, in this platform. And I was sort of felt like I had to compete against not just people in Sydney, but on a global scale. And, you know, like I can handle stuff, but it doesn't make you feel good. And it doesn't make you feel great when, you know, everybody's doing whatever it takes to get a job or to be seen or to have, you know, I know people that buy products, buy brands and wear them just to get a contract with that brand. Like it's yeah. so crazy how Instagram has made people a bit crazy, you know. Oh, my God. I was reading <laughs> I was reading a, a, the other day about this is in Russia. There's this company that basically organises for you, you book with them, you get your hair and makeup done, you go in I read onto about a that. private jet, doesn't even leave the runway and you I have photos. And they take photos. Taking on you in the private jet, like what? I know, what? I know what? And I so I do a lot of speaking at seminars and and you know career things and stuff. And I was doing some research, and in Australia, I don't know what it's like anywhere else, but in Australia, it's like the craziest statistic that the number one thing that people want to be when they leave school is not a doctor or a lawyer is is an Instagrammer. I mean that that just like kills my spirit. <laughs> That was the other thing that I realized is, you know, I've worked in the industry for 20 years and I have things to say. I have experience and I, when I say to someone, you know, I think you should do this, it's based on 20 years of experience. It's not based on, oh, yeah, I just like it. It's based on, okay, this is why, this is what I've learned, this is why I don't think, you know. So there's actual knowledge there rather than me critiquing a product and going, yeah, I like this because of, you know, the packaging or something. I, I actually have a voice and that's what I realised. Yeah. <laughs> I realised that I did have a voice and I just need to go back to why I have a voice rather than trying to be like all these people for fame or ego. It's yeah. just for me it's not about that. And did that, um, when you when you came to that realisation, did it, did you change the way you used or posted on social media? Everything. Everything for me changed. And, um, you know, I lost a lot of followers because I wasn't posting, you know, my latest Chanel shoes that I had just bought. But I didn't care because I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. Um, I realized that I want to work, I want to be a conscious consumer. I have a family of young, two young boys and my husband and I see how much rubbish I put in the bin every week, you know, like I see what we do and I just thought, you know what, there's too much consuming, there's too much, like I was spending so much money, you know, there's just too much going on, too much like spinning out of control and that was part of me going, okay, all of this kind of has to slow down and stop and I need to evaluate. And that was why I saw that there was this opportunity in where did your style go is because like back when we started They All Hate Us, the retail was 
you know, there's so many influences. There's so much retail. There's so many people telling everybody what they need and what they need to buy to be cool or what they need to be buy to make them feel happy or be on a plane or whatever. Most people are really confused. Most women that I speak to have no idea what to buy because they just feel like they have to keep up. You know, in my area, no one really is educating people. They're just spruiking. They're just saying, you need this today, this tomorrow, this and the next day. And so when I work with brands as Tash Sefton, I really consider everything that I work with because I want to be able to, you know, have an honest voice rather than, okay, today, tomorrow, the next day, next week is all different. So my follower has no idea what I believe in because every day it's changing. Um, so that's really how my brand has evolved and that's what my focus is on the moment is, is on the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And do you find, is there a common theme when it comes to reasons why your clients are coming to you for, uh, style advice? Well, I, um, started out the one-on-one styling because so many people are asking me for help, but now I actually um, I still do it a little bit, but I spend a lot more time with large organizations um, going in and teaching, you know, investment bank bankers or law firms or real estate agents or going in and teaching big, big, big groups of people how to dress. And I love it because I find it so fascinating how, you know, here I am just this girl from the fashion world going into like a massive global investment bank and teaching their team how to dress. I, I love it because I think now people realize how important it is this, you know, you know, unfortunately it sounds awful, but this perception of you and how you portray yourself is really important to business. Mm. And so I work in, you know, a lot of the time behind the scenes, no one knows what I'm doing, but I work with people educating them on how to dress for like, work how to dress for conferences how to dress when you have to you know a lot of people um highly successful work work their way up the ranks and have no idea how to dress they don't you know they're in these these level of their work and you know they don't know what to wear they don't know how to you know speak at a conference or you know there's so many different things and so i go in and work with these companies now to do that as well as I work with private clients and it's all information that I gather and then I write because I also want people to be able to read my advice for free and not have to, you know, book me or there's little things that I can teach people if people just read what I have to say. Along with this, having built this following on social media, it actually allows you to then shine a light on the, the causes that you're passionate about. So can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing on these other projects? Yes. So part of this whole conscious consumerism um, part of my life is the whole um, message around, you know, what we're doing to our planet. And I, I didn't mean to, you know, fall into this. It was mainly just me changing things in my life. I live in a suburb called Mossman in Sydney and um, there is a it's Taronga there's the Taronga Zoo in Mossman which is on the harbour it's beautiful it's kind of known around the world and I'm there all the time with my son my youngest son Mac loves it so we go there it's just around the corner and um, 
they used to just see me there all the time because I was there all the time with Mac. And they invited me and my friend works on one of the boards there of the foundation and she said, I'd love you to come in and just meet everybody. And so I went in and she, I just said to her, this place is so incredible and, the, you know, it's actually not a zoo, it's a conservation society and what they do is just mind-blowing globally. And I just said to her, nobody knows about this. Like this stuff is incredible and I live around the corner and I had no idea so I need to help you you know share this with everyone in Australia and around the world and it was at the same time that um, we were working on Prince Harry and Meghan Markle coming to visit us to open the the Science Institute and there was you know all these incredible things happening and I just started working with them as I do just you know in my spare time I guess and started turning um, the message of, you know, protecting habitats and, and which in turn protects wildlife and also us as humans and then all the things around it in terms of plastics and, you know, waste and recycling and, oh, you know, and so, yeah, we turned last year I worked with them and we raised a huge amount of money for the foundation and, you know, because it's a non-for-profit, everything goes back into sort helping the animals and um, then, you know, I worked with um, Eugenie who's the editor of Harper's Bazaar in Australia and we created a conservation edition of Harper's Bazaar and shot it on location, you know, in Australia at all the different Taronga locations and so it was just really great to be able to use, a, use such an important message you know, add a bit of fashion in it to make it a bit sexy and then present it and say, you know what, you know, Megan and Harry coming to see the work that we do was incredible. Like I can't tell you what an influence that had. Um, so, you know, it's the same sort of thing, like using their voice, my voice, everyone's voice to sort of get the message out that these things are really important. Yeah, well, I'll put a link to that in the show notes actually because it sounds like a fantastic, fantastic cause. Yeah, I mean, I went to, um, we, I travelled with the CEO of Chironga to India um, a few months ago to see the work that the Indian government does to save, that has saved the um, single horn rhino and the Bengal tiger. Like, it's incredible. Wow. Yeah, um, that was such an incredible experience. Um, so there's just so much that we, you know, you can't make changes overnight, but everyone, if you can just make some small change, it makes such a big impact and that's something that I have learned is that small, small changes, educating our children is going to change, you know, us, our, you know, for the future. You've reinvented your career several times since you left your corporate job. Have you found yeah. that it gets easier each time? Or do you still have the same level of fear when you're starting a new endeavour? Um, the biggest thing is that... The biggest part of it that stresses me out is money. <laughs> no one ever talks about that um, because I have a family and I have to work to support my family. Um, and so I love what I do, but I can't just do it for fun. Like I, I work for my family. A lot of people forget that, I think. A lot of people look at what I do and think it's very glamorous and, you know, all the clothes and all the travel and everything, but it's very much a business for me. Um, I look at all my costs, all my overheads, how much things, you know, it's not 
and this is the thing that I, I hope that the younger people in this industry realize is that it isn't about the parties and the free clothes. Yeah. You actually need to pay the bills. Um, so that's, you know, as my career evolves, my career is evolving so I can continue paying my bills. And it sounds so boring, I know, but um, I hope people don't forget that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's funny, a, a couple of my guests on the on the podcast have said it, the exact same thing. It's Oh, really? Yeah, the biggest stress I is... I sound cranky, don't I? Well, no, not at all <laughs> because it's the thing is it's what no one realises. Behind what you're doing, there's... Uh, always the stress of um, of money, and particularly when people are freelancing. I've uh, interviewed a couple of freelancers, and they're saying like that's the biggest stress is just always thinking ahead of you know whether the pipeline you've got projects coming along uh, and enough yeah. money coming in because it's uh, it's something that you know people don't talk about. No, and and you know my husband has his own business as well, and to you know both of us being business owners it's even more stressful because like you said the pipeline and he always says you know whenever we go away or whenever I'm away from my desk it means that the pipeline down the track gets delayed gets affected mm. and you know he's he teaches me a lot about that and it's something that I never used to think of and and it's something that I wish I did because it would have probably um I don't know. It's even though I worked, I've worked in the business side of it, and as a head of buy, head buyer, and always used to have to look at money and budgets and stuff for someone else. Doing it for yourself is kind of really boring. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like it's probably the most important thing. But um, I would also say strategy. So being really strategic about what you do, and rather than just doing everything, and that's something that I have learned. I used to just throw myself at everything and when you do that it costs a lot so I now do less keep my costs down and be very strategic about what I'm actually doing Mm, that sounds really boring (laughs) not not at all because I think it's it's really good advice because people just don't think about this if they think it's going to be a glamorous life in you know as a fashion entrepreneur there's there's so much more to it yeah, I I think that there's so much more reality to it mm. that people forget. Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone ever given you any good advice that has really helped you in your career? Um, a lot of people have been very negative to me in my career, which has actually driven me harder. Mm. And I you know, a lot of you know, I watch um lots of different things and I read articles and, you know, people are like, oh, this person said this inspirational thing to me and this drove me. It's actually been the per- people in my life that have actually told me I can't do it or you can't, you're you not good enough or you're not, you're not able to. That's actually driven me harder. Mm-hmm. So I, I know that's probably not the answer to your question that you wanted, but um, for me, you know, even when my husband gets angry at me for spending too much money, I'm like, well, I'm going to prove you wrong that I'm going to earn more and then you can't get angry at me. (laughs) So it's sort of like this, um, I don't know, maybe something negative happens that drives me harder. What is success for you? Success for me is... um, and I think about this a lot because 
it's very, it's become very apparent to me. Um, success is the experiences that I have with my children. I know that sounds really um, different probably to what other people think, but, you know, I've had the, the trips and I've met the celebrities and I've had all the clothes and I've had, the ex, you know, these extravagant things happen to me. And I have to say success is when I can share it with my two kids and my husband and my parents and my sisters and we can just literally have no concern. You know, I don't – I actually have realised now that I don't want for a lot. I just want for simple things like somewhere that my – somewhere my children can live in a beautiful home, their school fees, you know, so they can go to a great school and learn – that I can take them to places all over the world so they can learn. Like little, really simple things um, is success for me. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's really, really nice. Yeah. So the second one is um, because I'm obsessed with travel, what is your travel tip for where you're from or where your family is originally from? Um, so I am, my family is from Croatia from two different parts. So one part of my family is from Split, which, and the other part is from Shibenik. And I asked my mum because I was like, where, where do we go? Because it changes all the time over there. There's never kind of one place. And I have to say, we were laughing about it. We we grow up. Um, we're Croatian, so we are very very big family, very very close family. We don't go out. We go to everybody's house. And my mother and my auntie's cooking is like so next level that when we travel, when we go home or when we're here and we go to people's house, like my family's houses, we all just sit around the dinner table eating food that everybody has brought or my aunties or my mother have have made. So my biggest love of my culture is sitting around the family, sitting around, you know, we have picnics, we have we go back to you know, my grandmother's old home back in Croatia. That's what we do. So, so that, no one else can come. <laughs> I was going to say, so where, yep, where can we join dad. you? <laughs> okay. My auntie, my auntie Anne, she makes like the best apple strudel. Oh, yeah. And I know I want her to teach me how to make it so I can, you know, continue on the, the tradition. So, yeah. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Absolutely ideal. Well, Tash, Thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and experience uh, from your career. It's just been absolutely inspiring. Thank you so much for having me. I sometimes wonder why people want to know about my story because I fumble my way through it like everybody, I guess. Um, and it's just nice to be able to um, share it because it's been a really fun way along. Yeah, it's been a good journey. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Freedom Hunters. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you enjoyed it, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. It will help give the series a boost and help other people find it. And you can find out more on what I'm passionate about on my website, secondsister.com or Instagram at Suzanne Delahunty. Tune in on the first of every month when another inspiring guest will be sharing their story of how they found freedom in a career that they love.